Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with part two on the subject of friendship. And we're looking at the friendship of David and Jonathan. What C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Four Seasons or The Four Loves, he says, friendship is unnecessary. It's like philosophy. It's like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is none of those things which is giving value to survival. In other words, friendship is not necessary for survival in your life, but it makes life much more valuable. It gives value to surviving. And so let's talk about friendship today uh, in part two of the message today. And uh, let me just kind of review a couple things, character traits of friendship, biblically speaking. Our friends remain loyal. There is a friend that is closer than a brother. Friends speak the truth tactfully, even when it hurts. Friends demonstrate the kind of love described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And friends are those who are willing to sacrifice, willing to lay down one's life for their friends should the need arise. Let's look at true biblical friendship as we look at the life of David and Jonathan. Let me read 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit, and he loved him as he loved himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he didn't let him return to home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with him, a covenant with David, because he loved him as much as he loved himself. Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. So we learned, first of all, Friendship is a gift. It is a gift from God. David and Jonathan have their first meeting after David kills Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, that is text is fascinating. It gives us the poetic details about what happened when Jonathan and David met. You see, immediately they became friends. God knew that David needed a friend like Jonathan. And God knew that Jonathan needed a friend like David. That's what friendship is all about. It's two people coming together to complete each other. And we discover here as they finish talking with Saul. I mean, David has just walked into the palace. He has presented to Saul the head of that giant, right? David had just killed Goliath, and he's still got Goliath's head, uh, and he's holding him in probably by the hair as he walks into Saul. And he meets Jonathan. And, and that's where they enter into this friendship. Jesus said this about friends, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You know, there's a researcher that uh, was doing some work with the New York Times, and, and he was really struggling to define friendship. So he wrote an article exploring our current confusion about friendship. He begins by saying, ask people to define friendship. Even the experts who research friendship are a little bit uncomfortable and, and uh, have a difficult time describing and defining friendship. They begin by saying, well, you know, friendship is difficult to describe. 
One professor in Princeton said on his book on friendship, and he spends almost 300 pages trying to explain and define what friendship is. And so he finally says, you know, it's easier to say what friendship is not. And foremost, it is not instrumental. It is not a means to obtain a higher status. It's not a means to wrangle an invitation to somebody's vacation home, right? A friendship that is based on getting something in return is really not friendship. It's using somebody. It's bartering. It is investing in something, right? When you invest in something, you expect a return. And he says, friendship is more like beauty or art, which is appreciated for its own sake. Ronald Sharp, who is a professor who teaches a course on friendship, added, it's not about what somebody can do for you. It's who or what the two of you become in each other's presence. The notion of doing nothing but spending time in each other's company has, in a way, become a lost art. People are so eager to maximize the efficiency of relationships that they have lost touch with what it is to be a friend. And I think the best way to understand friendship is the friendship that we have with a spouse or the friendship that we have with a close friend. I think about my wife. I love hanging out with my wife, and and uh, and sometimes we'll just go cruising on down the road, uh, take a quick road trip, go up to Williamsburg, go out to the Outer Banks, go to the beach, go to the mountains, whatever, and we just drive together, right? And sometimes we don't have to have a whole lot of conversation. Uh, we're just in the same vehicle together, enjoying each other's company. I think about uh, what that true friendship is all about. It's appreciated for its own sake. And as we look at the story of David and Jonathan, their friendship was appreciated because of its own sake. In 2 Samuel one twenty six, it says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. David is speaking of his friend, Jonathan. Now, some people have wrongly surmised that this was a homosexual relationship. There is no way this was a homosexual relationship. This was, and this is to show you how much we have lost friendship in our culture today, that we didn't even think such a thing, right? Uh, These were two men of God who loved God dearly, and God brought them together. They were of a kindred spirit. You know, it's kind of awkward in our day and age to have this level of relationship without it being a homosexual relationship. Uh, That shows you how deprived our culture is that would even think such a thing. God would not have raised them up as an example of friendship if their friendship was based on anything other than a God-given relationship. David said, my brother Jonathan, he calls him his brother, right? And so he's bringing in some understanding of this brotherly relationship. Now listen, uh, this was a homosexual relationship. Uh, he wouldn't have called him brother. He called him my lover, right? He doesn't use that. He says, this is a, an extraordinary relationship. So a true friend is a gift from God. You think about a gift. A gift is something that you cannot earn. And when God brings two people together, it is always amazing that level of friendship that they will bond. I think about Jesus when he was here on the earth, right? Jesus sends out 120 disciples. I know we had the 12 apostles, right? But he sent out 120 followers that were converted while he was here on this earth. He trained them, and he sends them out two by two. 120 disciples that Jesus knew fairly well. 
but then he had the 12 apostles. Those were the people that he initially called out. And he says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. That original 12. And uh, we know that not all of them followed Jesus to the end. Uh, of course, Judas forsook him. And, and there on the cross, there's only one friend that is still there at the cross. That's John, right? Uh, so Jesus sent out 120. Then he had 12 apostles. Uh, and then he had three in his inner circle. These were his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Uh, do you remember the night uh, that Jesus was celebrating Passover? The night that he was going to be betrayed. The night that he was going to be handed over to the soldiers. And he has the Passover meal with the twelve. Judas goes out to fulfill the arrangements of betraying Christ. And then at the end of the Passover, they go to the garden. And Jesus is there praying in the garden. He takes Peter, James, and John. They go a little further. And then they fall asleep on Jesus, right? But as we look at this relationship that Jesus had with his friends, he had his close inner friends. He had his second layer of friends, the 12 apostles. Then he had the 120 friends that he sent out. When you think about life, that's how it is. You will have a lot of friends that are more like acquaintances that you're involved in. Then you're going to have people that you are closer to. And then maybe people in your small group that are, are your closer friends. But then you have your intimate friends. Those are the friends that are with you through thick and thin. Those are the friends that you will be friends for life. They are the ones that the ones that will stick with you through good times and bad. So a true friend is a gift that God gives us. And we're talking about that inner circle of friends. Number two, a true friend is reliable. Let's look at the story in 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, picking up at verse number 30. We fast forward a little bit in the story, and, and now Saul is becoming angry. He's becoming angry with his son, Jonathan. He's becoming angry with his friend, David. And Saul's anger flares up against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse, uh, that your own shame and, and to the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send somebody to bring him to me for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father, but Saul hurled a spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Well, what in the world has happened? In just a few short chapters, we go from Saul inviting David in, in chapter 18 to live in the palace uh, the rest of his time. And then two chapters later, he wants to kill David. And he so hates his son because Jonathan has a friendship with David. And he says of Jonathan, man, your mom is a rebellious woman. You are the son of a perverse woman. And some people think that the Bible actually cleaned up the language here uh, that Saul actually used against his son, Jonathan. What caused Saul to turn? this quickly against David and his own son, Jonathan. Well, i tell you what happened. In the previous chapter, chapter 19, verse Samuel, Saul overhears some people singing, and they're singing about his victories, and they talk about Saul slaying his thousands. And so the first stanza of the song uh, really um, fed into Saul's ego and and really uh, inflated his ego, and, and he's probably getting full of himself. So, oh, yeah, they're singing my praises. I have killed thousands. But then the second stanza of the verse 
says, but David has killed his tens of thousands. All of a sudden, Saul realizes that David is more popular than he is, and he becomes overrun and overwhelmed with jealousy. And he not only hates David, but he hates anybody who loves David. And that would include his own son. You see, a true friend is a gift, but a true friend is also reliable. You see, David didn't have a friendship with Saul. Saul was unstable, double-minded in all of his ways. But Jonathan, Jonathan was reliable. Proverbs 17, 17, our friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Now, I want you to know that Jonathan had many reasons to give up on David. I mean, their friendship was not without stress. Jonathan's life was threatened because of his loyalty to David. And yet, Jonathan was certainly a faithful brother. And in the end, David remained faithful to the descendants of Jonathan, caring for them as if they were his very own family. In the book of Job, we read this interesting verse, Job 6.14. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Have you got some good friends? Maybe there's some pressure on your friendship right now. Your friendship is now filled with stress. Well, if that friend is a gift from God, and that friendship is based on reliability, that friendship will survive. Don't withhold that kindness from your friend just because they're going through a hard time. Don't forsake that friend because the Bible says, a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. And so when we think about being friends with people, even during difficult times, we got to hang in there with them. Well, we've learned a lot about friendship already in the story of David and Jonathan. We learned that Jonathan, his very life was at danger because of his friendship with David. We know that David was hated by King Saul. On two occasions, Saul hurled a spear at David. And on at least one occasion, Saul hurled the spear at Jonathan. Well, thankfully, he was unsuccessful in both attempts, in part because of that strong protection God had around David and around Jonathan. Here's the third point about friendship. A friend loves you as he loves himself. Now, the Bible is very clear when it comes to a relationship between a husband and wife. Paul says in Ephesians that a man should love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I think Paul understood that men, uh, sometimes we need a more concrete example I mean, how in the world am I going to love my wife as Christ loves the church? I mean, Christ has a perfect love for the church. My love for my wife is somewhat flawed. So Paul says, I tell you what, if that's too high of a standard to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, why don't you try loving your wife as you love yourself? You know, I've never had anybody teach me how to love myself. It kind of just came naturally. And you know, it's true, right? If I were to take a picture, and, uh, and you were in that group setting of the picture that I took, and I, and I sent it to you, and I, or I posted it on my social media account, I promise you the first thing that you would do, if I tagged you in that post, the first thing that you would do is look for yourself in that picture. So, oh yeah, yeah, he said he sent a picture of a group of us. I want to see if I'm in that picture. He says I'm in that picture. Where am I? That's the first person you find in that picture is you. Why is that? Uh, because we naturally love ourselves. We get up in the mirror. Uh, the first person that we see every morning is ourselves, right? 
we have no trouble loving ourselves. We are told to love our wives like we love ourselves. A true friend is a reliable friend, one who will consistently love as they love themselves. And here's the point. In 1 Samuel 18, as we backtrack in the story, David had finished talking with Saul. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as he loved himself. Amazing, right? Did you know there was a survey done by Lifeway Research? And it found that 79% of unchurched Americans say they don't mind having a religious conversation with a friend who really values their faith. But as churches adopt a sales technique and sales conversations, uh, then they're not interested in those conversations. What does this study show us? Eight out of 10 Americans want to have a conversation about our faith. They don't want it coming from a pastor, right? They expect the pastor to talk about things of faith. They want it to come from a friend. They want it to come from somebody who is faithful in their faith and somebody who values their friendship and somebody who is really sincere in their faith. You see, when you think about this, this is an unbelievable opportunity that we have. Eight out of 10 Americans want to have a conversation about our faith but they want it coming from a friend. In 1 Samuel 20, 17, Jonathan and David reaffirm their oath for each other because he loved him as he loved himself. You know, Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Husbands ought to love their wives as they love themselves. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. We have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Now, don't you love that level of commitment to one another? You see, a true friend is reliable. A true friend is a gift from God. A true friend loves you as he loves you himself. Well, let me give you the fourth point. A true friend helps us to grow spiritually. And that's what we need, somebody to help us grow spiritually. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 23. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and he helped him find strength in God. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want good friends or do you want godly friends? Nothing wrong with good friends, but a true friend will be a godly friend. You know, through the years, I've experienced a lot of heartache in the context of Christian community. And just being honest, right? Uh, Some of the people who have hurt me most have been, quote unquote, Christians. It just happens throughout the years. Through the Holy Spirit's gift of love, There's been diverse members of the Christian community that have also become a big blessing to me. You see, in a healthy community, even when there are challenges and even when there are scandals and and people uh, have fallen in their relationship with God, uh, God will bring to you a healthy 
friend. You see, I've had the opportunity uh, to have the strong friendships of brothers and sisters in Christ. They have helped my spiritual growth. So, do you want to have good friends, or do you have do you want to have godly friends? I want to ask you the same thing about your children. Do you want your children to grow up and to to be good people? And nothing wrong with that. Or do you want them to grow up to be godly people? You see, if that's going to happen, you have to raise your children not only in the church, but also in Christ. They must have a strong relationship with Christ. You say, I don't see what the benefit of Christian community is. Well, let me give you just a couple of things in the closing moments of the broadcast today. Let me give you three reasons why you ought to be involved in Christian community, Christian friendship, because the church can provide the friends that you need to encourage you. You know, I think about opposites attracting each other. When you come to church, you're going to meet people that are different than you are. Uh, You're going to meet people from different backgrounds, but God will bring you together, even though you may not have a whole lot in common. If you got the Spirit of God right in the center of your relationship, uh, you will find friends, and these friends will encourage you. You see, God has used so many people to encourage me in my faith, and when I have felt discouraged through friends, God has taught me how to love life and how to pursue a deeper relationship with Him. You know, I learned how to have a daily quiet time from a good friend. I have a pastor friend who mentored me for many years uh, when I was just in college in the seminary. And he would often tell me that you got to have time in God's Word every single day. And so he encouraged me to begin the habit of having a quiet time, a devotional time every single day. That friend encouraged me, and he's still my friend to this day. All these years later, almost 40 years later, he is still a friend of mine. Christian community can provide friends to encourage you. Now, you got to get involved, right? Don't just come Sunday morning. Get into a small group. Get into a relationship where you have the opportunity to connect with other people. Don't just run into church, you know, five minutes after it starts and sneak out during the last song. Uh, No, go in there with the intention of finding somebody you can encourage, and you're going to find an amazing thing happens. The more you encourage others, the more you receive encouragement. Secondly, a Christian community can provide people not only to encourage you, but people to challenge you. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. In a healthy Christian community, you will find introverts, you'll find extroverts, you'll find people with different family backgrounds, different cultural experiences, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, uh, different pains, different sufferings. Yes, this can lead to struggles and, and misunderstandings of all kinds of confusion. But as you enter into a Christian community, you will discover people will challenge you. You know, their personalities sometimes may wear you out, may, may frustrate you, and, and sometimes challenge you. But if you will hang in there, you will discover that you can be challenged by others within Christian community. You see, God desires that you learn how to love as He loves, to love people who have all sorts of sins and struggles. God wants you to develop empathy and compassion, to see people the way that Jesus sees them. This is the kind of spiritual growth that will only happen in a context where you're challenged. And then number three, Christian community can provide mentors to lead you. 
I wish I had the time to read Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17, but Paul encourages the church at Colossae to grow in their love, to grow in their faith by sharing the truth of scriptures together, singing together. Paul shows us a large part of spiritual growth happens in a Christian community where God gathers diverse people to share their gifts with one another. So let me close off by asking you this question. Who needs your friendship this week? There's somebody in your life that needs your kind friendship this week. Why don't you reach out to that person? Maybe a simple phone call, a simple text. Uh, Just reach out to them in love and you'll discover that your tank becomes overflowing. Well, if I can pray for you today, oh, I'd love to pray for you. And somebody once said that God does nothing but answer prayer. And if you need a prayer today, would you shoot me a text? 252-267-2365. Just shoot me a quick text and I'll be praying for you today. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Uh, Same station, same time. God bless you for joining us. That number one more time, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.